You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Spits and Suds. So great to be with you. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and I'm joined by EP Rinkside, his subscription service, Shap Shots, which I would completely recommend that you. Uh, spend good money on because you're going to get some amazing stars information as well as D Magazine. It's Sean Shapiro and Sean. Uh, a couple things. Um, really, really enjoyed the game last night. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just felt as though that had a playoff atmosphere. And I love when the stars play Vegas anyway, but coming off the cup, coming off the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I just love the intensity. I just, you know, for for a game two, you know, as I tweeted last night, we all got our money's worth. It was the only, uh, my only issue with the game last night was the, frankly, the lack of a proper build-in to it. Because it was the, the two teams from the Western Conference final last year, when you talk about the teams that everyone says who are going to be the, the top dogs out of the West, these are two of those teams. And it just, the only thing that I just kind of, the only thing that left me disappointed about it, and this is just the reality of it was you had a Dallas team play in their second game, have coming off five days rest. Um, and your Vegas team that's played plus playing their fourth game is already in this rhythm of a season. It was one of those where it's like, and I'm not playing the excuse game for the stars or anything like that, but just from the schedule making standpoint, the only thing holding this game back at all was what kind of one team being in rhythm and clicking already. And the other one still clearly looking for its rhythm because they've only played two hockey games in a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So uh, let's start. There's so many things to talk about. One, I want to say on Friday, Craig will join us on Spits and Suds. So one of the things I love about Sean is his in-depth hockey analysis, how he talks to a lot of people through the league, tells you what he's hearing. We really get that insider access. And then we get the player inside access from Craig on Friday. And one of the things that we'll talk about with Craig is as far as whether he has to or some of his teammates in his career have had to answer the bell. And last night, you know, you talked about the the hype not building up to it like it should have been. Um, I will say this, and if we don't toot our own horn, Sean, 
it won't get tooted. That's just the reality. Yeah. And you and I talked during that series, during the Western Conference Finals, almost immediately after it happened, about when Jamie Benn would have to answer the bell. And we actually predicted, I went back, we predicted this game, um, that it would happen in Vegas, in front of the home crowd, that there was a likelihood that Jamie Benn would have to drop the gloves. And that happens. The I tweeted it out last night prior to the game because I wanted people, I wanted them to be refreshed that it might happen. And it did happen. I said, good chance. You know, part of which got me thinking as well was Eberly, um, who injured Andrew Cogliano of the Colorado Avalanche. Obviously, at the beginning of the season, it's the first time Seattle and Colorado have played. And Eberly, who's not a fighter, we all know that, Jordan Eberly, you know, he's more of a scorer and uh, puts points on the boards, had to drop the mitts last night. So, I mean, kudos and stick taps to those NHL players, including Jamie Benn, that, you know, understand as far as handling it on the ice. I was surprised, Sean, more people weren't talking about it. And also, I was surprised that, you know, people said, well, Jamie Benn wanted to get the troops going. I just don't, not a lot of people were talking about why this happened. And clearly, you could see Mark Stone go over to the penalty box and uh, thank his teammate for dropping the gloves. And then people would ask Sean, well, why, you know, Mark Stone, I saw this on Twitter, Mark Stone's too chicken to fight. I will just say this. <laughs> Andrew Cogliano was in the lineup for Colorado last night. He did not drop the gloves with Jordan Eberle. You do not have, the injured player does not have to be the one that drops the mitts with the person that got you injured. Okay. No, you don't. No, no, no. Like that's, yeah, like that's okay. Yes. It's has nothing to do with, if anything, and this is, and this is a stars podcast, but I'm going to say this. If anything, Jamie Ben was too chicken to face Mark Stone with a clean hit back in the playoffs. Correct. Just like if you want to be, if you want to talk about someone being too chicken to do something, it was a, it was a, it was a bad hit by Jamie Ben in the playoffs that was dirty and rightfully deserved two game suspension. Like you don't, uh, uh, like, right. It's a, to use a real life example. If somebody, somebody robs you, you don't have to go, you don't, you don't have to go fight them. You let the police handle it. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. So That's a great example. Like it, yeah. So it's like, like Mark Stone was the victim here. Wasn't the, um, and it's, it's one of those things where, if that had happened, um, um, they, if that can happen, if that happens when it does, the follow-up was never going to be in game six of that series. Um, and, uh, so it was always going to come in a game like this, probably in, the, in this one is it did. And, um, you gotta be, you gotta remember like, Let's look it up. Like Jamie, as he's gotten older in his career, he's gotten better about taking the right fights. Right? Yes. Like one of the things that, um, his fight, uh, like he fought Patrick. Like he actually fought Patrick Maroon, um, in the uh, in about a. Uh, in in, the, in that preseason game, but that was after a big a big hit and everything like that. And but he's always like 
he's had some moments where who was the kid from that he fought in Vancouver? Remember a couple years back, he fought the def- depth defenseman from Vancouver. I do, yeah, I don't and, and got hurt, got yeah. hurt on it, and it was yeah. like you're like I, you, you don't go and you, you got to fight within your pay grade, right? And so you either fight within your pay grade or you fight within the right reason. And this is the type of thing that I'm not saying Vegas was going to run a Dallas player or anything like that, but by him and Hague fighting in the second period it puts that all to rest of any need for retribution. I don't think Vegas was really, I also think the reason this, this held over Gavin till the second period was um, Vegas won the cup. So Vegas already had their ultimate retribution, right? Like Vegas already had their, had their, had everything they needed. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's a team that's built to take that was going to be like, Oh, we have to get a, a cheap shed and a Dallas player to make up for what happened with Ben and stone. But this at least is uh it's kind of like the nature's healing type of thing where it's like, okay, well, we can let, we can let the, that be in the past now for everyone. And there can still be other fisticuffs and angriness. Like there was in the game and it was a fun hockey game, yep. but at least that has been put to bed. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely correct. All right. Let's get into the game itself. So I understand, you know, Stars fans would like two points, but I thought it was a well-played game by both teams. I think if I'm on the opposite side and I think they realize this during the game, we're going to see each other several times and not just the regular season. I really liked how both teams played. I liked how the Stars matched Vegas's physicality at times. They got in the dirty areas. They were putting pressure on Aiden Hill. Um, They were winning in the corners at times. So for Stars fans, I get it. But Sean and I have talked about this. To me, once you go into OT, it becomes a skills competition more. And three on three, you can work on. And teams are getting better as far as, you know, puck possession in three on threes. But... The reality is it's just a different game. So to lose in a shootout, it, it is what it is. You clanked off two posts. Aiden Hill didn't make a but, save in OT, right? And well, as far like, as the if, 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 Yeah, if, I mean, simplest thing is if Robertson, I saw someone who we should give them credit. Um, the uh, um, Let's go, uh, start who tweeted at us on Twitter about wanting kind of a review of the game. And I'll say this to that person directly, like, um, if Robertson and Hints, if the shot goes in, yeah, everyone's like, like, oh man, they beat the Cup champs. Yes. Talk about the title contender, like every, like it's, 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 it's that game, like regular season hockey. And I think we can't say regular season hockey. And I think we still have to maybe, maybe we have to change the goalposts a little bit and be like, cause of how bad Dallas was in overtime last year. Like you have to be a little bit more critical of overtime itself at times, but when a game goes to a shootout, you've done your job and it's really a coin flip at that point. And so I, 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 this game for the stars, they've taken three out of four points to start the season. If they're going to take 75% of the points for the rest of the season, <laughs> you're going to be thrilled. So. Yeah, 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 <laughs> a- absolutely. Um, and I didn't see a lapse. Uh, I thought they played a full thir- three periods. I thought Ottinger was clearly sharp, as was Hill. I think both of them made terrific saves. Um, 
So I, there's so many like little points that I want to bring up. Um, the first goal, Craig Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone will see the rebound put in, but going back and looking that the aggressiveness going in to the corner and picking that puck and getting it to Tyler Sagan and maintaining possession away from the Vegas defenseman, you know, he deserved that goal because he's the one that created it. So we all see the Sagan pass, you know, and what we don't see is, you know, that's why I love rewinding and going through the whole play. It's just, you know, it was really pretty to see. It was a grinder's goal. And, you know, it's really cool to see the Jim Nil pick up, really paying dividends early. But, you know, he picked him up for that vet presence in the locker room. But, you know, as we've talked about, you know, we think both Sam Steele and Craig Smith added some really good depth to this team. And that, yeah, it's, I think Smith is a guy who I was, I was curious to see what would of how the usage would play out with him because he's someone who he's the only Dallas player that really uh, doesn't have a special teams role. Like you look across the board for this Dallas team and Every player plays is either on the power play or on the penalty kill, one or the other. Craig Smith is the only one that doesn't play on either. And that's not a that's nothing against Craig Smith. It's just the reality of he's not in your top twelve offensive options and he's not in your top twelve penalty killing options. He's probably thirteenth on both of those lists. And for a lot of players in that role who don't have a special teams role. Um, It can be easy as, especially as a forward, it can be easy to get lost in a game. Um, I was uh, at the Detroit Tampa game the other night. And for example, uh, they've got Clem Costin here who is uh, Clem Costin doesn't kill penalties or play on the power play and kind of got lost in the game because he didn't have a role. Craig Smith is a guy who I think brings the same game at five on five even when he only plays 10 minutes like he did last night. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really valuable thing in the fourth line. And that's a really valuable reason that I like him in that spot when you're worried, like Sam Steele, I still look at as a little bit more of a developmental player. Like I think Sam Steele, I want to I don't know if Sam Steele thrives as well. If he only gets 10 minutes, I think Craig Smith thrives a little bit better in that spot. Um, I'm, and kind of on that on that goal as well to kind of just scatter shoot here too like yeah huge credit to um i thought really nice work in getting the puck to that area nice work by lundquist and yeah. and harley up at the top on the, on the top of the blue line because uh and i also really liked a bit of the willingness to um in the offensive zone in particular to play Lundquist and Harley together at times. I think that's a really good forward thinking thing where we talk a lot about the, the Nils Lundquist um, conundrum. Right. And that's a step in the right direction with, with playing him and Harley in spots like that. And yeah. So I, I me thought, back on track, I, Gavin. Yeah, me, no, me no, I, <laughs> no, I mean, actually <laughs> that, that was segs. You did a perfect segue into my next point. I thought Nils Lundqvist was outstanding last night. Um, he was good. I, I was focused good. on him. Uh, one, you know, when you go into the corners, I saw a couple times where could have easily just put that stick in there and tried, but he was actually using his body. 
And guys like that that are small, you know, I felt as though Nils Lundqvist last night played bigger than his actual size. Um, I also saw a couple of times where he saw the opening and he skated out of the zone. One of the things that I was always frustrated with, with kind of old systems, is you'd look to pass right away. And that's how you create turnovers. But he had the space and he went for it. And he used his speed. And I I also love the confidence and aggressiveness in the offensive zone. There was a cycle of, it was Ben Johnston, uh, Dadenoff, and Lundquist was with Lindell. And they actually cycled in another line because they were spending so much time in the Vegas zone. Nothing came from it, but I thought it was a terrific shift, and Lundquist was a big part of that. So, yes, we're just two games in, but I felt really good when he was on the ice last night. The other one that I felt good about last night was Ryan Suter. And Stars fans can... Go after Ryan Suter, and Sean and I, I think we agree we get it. But I think we've said on this program, if he was a third-line pairing, that I think we'd be in pretty good shape. He was terrific on that five-on-three last night. Um, I thought him, Foxa, Hockenpah, and then Hintz did a wonderful job. That could have been a turning point in the game. And, you know, the effort and Fox had to go off the ice after making that dive. And then just the next time he goes back onto the ice, you know, that showed me a lot last night. So I was impressed. You know, I think the decor total did a really nice job, but I did want to point out two guys that we've had some question marks on. I thought they played really well last night. Yeah. And the other key thing, and I know people, it's hard. It, the, the Ryan Suter discourse, because of you see the morning skate line rushes get tweeted out or you see the line chart and it it it, it, it doesn't frame the Ryan Suter discourse properly, Gavin. Because like people see like, oh, he's playing with Miro. He's playing too much. Yeah. And I think like I've, I've always made this joke before, but I think especially with defensemen, if we could not tweet out defensive pairings in the morning, we would all actually watch the game better and actually see how it plays out. Because, like, Ryan Suter technically was paired with Miro Heishkinen last night. But for me, I always go to, I look at how guys got their time on ice. So, yes, Ryan Suter was the third most used Dallas star last night, time on ice-wise, 2058. Well, three, and Yanni Hockenpah was second at 2116. Yanni Hockenpah, 325 shorthanded time. That's great. That means he's about 18 minutes even strength. That's fine. I'm happy with that. Ryan Suter, three minutes shorthanded time on ice, nine seconds of power play, which was just at the tail end of a power play when uh, there was a defensive zone draw, I believe. Um, that means Ryan Suter was at 16 minutes of... Mm-hmm. 16 minutes... Six, sorry, uh, um, yeah, about 17 minutes of uh, of even strength time. Miro Heishkin, and you take away his power play and shorthanded time, he's still about 21 minutes of of five on five time. Thomas Harley didn't play special teams last night, was still the fourth most used player 2023. Like Ryan Suter. And I, I say this and I'm going to say this many times throughout the season. And I know that I'm going to, you cannot look at his placement on the line chart when it comes out. If you do that, you will get frustrated. 
you, you just can't do it. And be, But if you go and you look at the usage and where that usage comes from, then things start to be, then things start to, to fit better. And you start to get a better idea for how you should break things down. To me, the bigger thing about roll and time on ice, I see 90 seconds of power play time for Nils Lundqvist. I need to see nine seconds of power play time for Ryan Suter. Things are in the right direction. Yeah. I see Essel, I see Essel Lindell, who frankly struggled quite a bit last night, actually, yeah, of did. all the defenders. You, tell, you talked about the ones who are good. Essel Lindell, who struggled quite a bit. Essel Lindell played the least of any Stars defender at, uh, to five on five. Um, there's a lot of coaches in the past who would not have made that type of decision. So, um, obviously not here to just completely just defend Ryan Suter and all that stuff, but he's getting put into that role you want to see him in, even though the line chart's not going to look like that. So you just have to look at it with more context. And that's kind of my, that's going to be a, a thing we repeat throughout the, uh, throughout the year to people here, I think on this show. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think there were so many good things to, you know, take from the game last night. I thought, you know, the lines overall played well. Uh, I know Mason Marchman got in a scrum, but, you know, my focus is kind of going to be on him and see where he ends up. Um, he but, needs to be better. He, he does need to be better overall. Yeah, like yeah. you talk about someone who came into this year and we want to be critical or like you need, you definitely need, you need more from Mason Marchman than yeah. the, the fight maybe gets him going or whatever, but like you need more from Mason Marchman. But I do really like that fourth line um, mm-hmm. and you could, interchange Smith and Steele, but Foxa and Delandria, that's a that's a pretty decent fourth line. Um and I, I think yeah. they can bring a lot to the table. And, you know, I mean I think I think that's a good role for Radic Foxa, like we talked about on previous podcasts, being a fourth line center. I mean, and what he brings and, you know, as mm-hmm. mentioned, he goes on the ice a lot of times, takes the face off and then goes off the ice. So um yeah. you know, I think they're in, using his strengths. And it's another one of those where it like Work on giving your as a listener and a viewer of the stars, work on yourself giving the proper context. If you think about Radic Foxa as a fourth line player and don't look at the cap sheet and how much he's getting paid, you're pretty happy with how things are working out. Just basically take the approach you've taken with JB Ben's salary and oh, that allowed you to be happy with the Benessons last year at his play and kind of apply it to Radic Foxa. You can't control the salary now. He's not getting, he's not, unless he's, it's very, it's hard. It's going to be hard to see him getting traded in season just because Jim Nill's a very loyal man. But so even with all of that, if you can just look at him as a fourth line center playing this role, it fits. And that's, that's, I think that's an important thing. And I think we're going to be using the word context a lot on this show with the stars for this year, because it's one of those seasons that's, it's so fun because they are expected to be having like, Gavin, in six, seven months from now, we're going to be breaking down seven games against Vegas. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident at some point these two teams are going to be in the playoffs, and 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 it's going to it's going to happen. Before we get there, there's going to be a lot of in between stuff, and it's finding all the context and how to how this season plays out. So, the Stars team here is at its best to win four of seven against Vegas in the spring, yeah. and. I see things that are going in that right direction. It's only two games, but I see things when it comes to coaching usage, when it comes to how certain guys are stepping up already. Like 
I'm I'm pretty happy about where where they are, especially after last night. Like they could have last night would have been a easy, um, it could have been an easy blow it up game. Yeah, five days off. Uh, Vegas is at home, has has got rhythm. Vegas easily could have come in and blown them up, and you would have been like, eh, this is one of those that happens. And they didn't let that happen. They still got the point. They came in. Um, it's once again, it's it's funny. I'd say this so many times on this so far, so far. It's only two games, but a lot to like about Dallas right now. Absolutely. You're right. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right, he's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. You're listening to uh, Spits and Suds. Before we get to some listener questions slash comments, uh, Sean, you have a game now Thursday against Anaheim and then a game on Saturday against Philadelphia. How would you go goaltending-wise because it's early in the season? I kind of thought about it this morning, and I thought to myself, I'll go, because I don't like to pull goalies, especially when they're playing really well. Uh, I wouldn't mind if DeBoer decided, get the two points, put Ottinger, or give yourself the best opportunity to get two points. Ottinger in Anaheim, come home Saturday against the Flyers, and that might be the first game for Wedgwood. I so I, I disagree on Wedgwood's playing time because I think Wedgwood needs to play Thursday. Okay. And I will say I will say it this way because for the exact same reason you said I don't like to pull goalies when they're playing well. If you need to, this is where Jim Nill and the Stars' uh, long-term vision needs to come into play and and, and be and, and kind of come into play. They need to, if say Jake Ottinger goes and posts a 35 save shutout against the ducks on Thursday. You're like, Oh, we got to play him Saturday. All of a sudden you're running into a problem where Scott Wedgwood, you could, you could easily get yourself into the trap of not playing Scott Wedgwood in the entire month of October. And all of a sudden, I think there's a back to back the first weekend of November. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, well now we need him. Mm -hmm. And it's a back to back against Calgary and Edmonton. I think you have to, uh, you have to play Wedgwood on Thursday, in my view. This is the Ducks are not a good team. 
you want your backup to get some road tests early because they're going to play some uncomfortable games, but you also want to make it in a spot where it's not against a great team. And um, so for my money, I'm playing Wedgwood on Thursday because I think that's the greater good for the stars in the long run. I think that's, that's, that's how I would play it. Um, I also think, Jake Ottinger would be understanding of that. That's something where as much as he wants the net every night, uh, stars goalie coach, Jeff Reese has got to be like, look, Jake, you're going to play 55, 60 games this year. You're going to play Saturday night at home. Um, The only way here's the only way I would play Ottinger on Thursday is if you gave Ottinger the choice of which game he wanted. If I'm like, and I don't, and I don't know if they'll do that. I don't know if they would do that or not. But like, if I'm the coaching staff, I would, I, my, my gut tells me it's better to play Wedgwood on Thursday. But if I'm the coaching staff and I want to treat Jake Ottinger like a number one, like a top five goalie in this league, and I want to give him some control of his schedule and all of that stuff, yada, 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 I would just go to Ottinger and be like, hey, do you want to play it on the road Thursday in Anaheim or do you want to play at home Saturday in Philly? You're only getting one of them. That's the only way. I would play Ottinger on Thursday if you let him make the choice of which game he's sitting. Otherwise, I'm going Wedgwood using if using my 200-foot away coaching lens. Yeah, I was just putting stock into, is it easier for yeah. a backup to go in for a home game? And it, it, it probably is, but the other thing about backup goalies is you have to get used to backup goalies play tough situations that's kind of the re- that's kind of the reality of the role of a backup goalie your job is to come into tough situations you get the second game of a back-to-back you get the night the team's tired and everything like that and so i would as a backup goalie you still need to give him some challenges to come into things and i think that's why you trust scott wedgwood and that's why they didn't make some other moves to bring in another backup and so I get I get what you're saying, but I also think there's also value in making Scott Wedgwood's first start an actual test because Philly's not a good team either. Yep, yep. All right, at StarsFan1994 says, the Vegas Golden Knights gave me PTSD as they tied it late in the third to win an OT. I mean, wonderful tip by Carlson, especially how far out he was. That was Pavelski-like. Um, mm-hmm. Both goals, I, I just don't. I mean, I don't think Ottinger saw the first one. I mean, we could barely see it from, you know, different camera angles. And then the second one, a wonderful tip. Uh, looking forward to a cathartic recap on Spits and Suds. A lot more hockey to play, but that game reopened some scars way too early. Big thanks to you and Sean for bringing the hockey talk on the regular. I would say to you, my friend, Stars fan 1994, I understand it reopened some scars. I think it actually closed some scars for me because last night, I saw the Stars go toe-to-toe with what the Vegas Knights are going to be. Granted, some injuries on their blue line, but, you know, they went into Vegas, and I think they did a lot of good things. So, while I can understand that it was an OT loss, like we talked about earlier, Sean, I I, I think you should be in good shape, absolutely. Yeah, and the thing about the two Vegas goals... um, Let's talk about this with those two Vegas goals. Um, They're both. That is how Vegas wins games. Vegas is a big Vegas wins games differently than the stars. Vegas is a big um, 
pressure, pucks back to the point, funnel through for tips. The Stars do have a lot of tips, obviously, too, but the Stars are more built on building off the rush and, and, and everything like that. So um, Vegas is goals are how Vegas wins games. That's who they are. I don't if, uh, if if you want to get a little nitpick a little bit, I don't like that no one picked up Carlson cutting through the zone. That's one of those where I'd like to see um, a defender step into step up on him in that. And uh, but Vegas is a good hockey team too. And Stars went toe to toe, and they scored and found ways to score in ways that aren't on the rush. And I think that's an important part of Dallas because um, there was a. Uh, when this, when this, one of the questions this I think we've had about the stars in the past is when the rush offense isn't working, how are they going to score? And they did it last night. They found a way with Craig Smith, gritty goal. They got it done. They found a way with off the faceoff. Um, if there's if there's any of those goals that gave me concern, it's not even the first. It's not even the the game tying goal. I, that that one doesn't bother me as much. That's just a good play by a good player and everything like that. Um, if anything, and I and I mentioned him, and I'm not trying to drag him under the bus throughout this podcast, but I I don't really get what Essel and Dell was doing on the first goal against. Yeah. Um, I'm not like like that that one. Like if there's if you want to be if you want to get cause for concern and and from this game, a lot of positives, but then someone's going to be sitting down on tape with Essel and Dell before they play in Anaheim on Thursday because he had a rough night. Now was it just uh, is it Essa a slow starter and he's got his uh. It's only second game after having five days off. It was tough to get into game rhythm. Who knows? But I, I, I have more worry about Essel and Dell than anything else in this game. Um, the other thing we should bring up too from this game that I, I think was a very, I wrote about this. It's kind of it was kind of fitting because I wrote about this in a macro scale the other day about how about faceoffs and yeah. credit to. Uh, David Castillo, who first brought it up and sent me down the wormhole of David Castillo had a piece about how whether face-offs matter or not. And uh, I went a little bit further down I, and he sent me down my own wormhole of looking at the, <laughs> of, 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 of whether these things, things matter. And, and the face-offs are, are typical are basically, they're basically coin flips most of the time for most NHL teams, they're coin flips. And that's why when you talk about whether, face-offs matter or not that's why sometimes they get pulled down a little little bit by the analytics community because they're like you can't really these are just coin flips you're going to win 50 percent of the time no matter what and i don't think that's entirely true um the stars for example are a very good face-off team the stars also care very much about face-offs the stars as a team who struggle to create zone time and really protect pucks down low they need to be good at faceoffs to kind of add that extra zone time. And um, a team on the flip side, like the Colorado Avalanche, who are one of the worst faceoff teams in the league. And I know there's people who point into the Avalanche winning a Stanley Cup with bad faceoffs, being like, "See, you don't need faceoffs to." But the Avalanche don't really care much about faceoffs. The Avalanche have been a very good puck protection team down low, good on the rush. They they made up in other areas where, so the Stars. In close games like the one they played against Vegas last night, going into that coin flip with effectively a weighted coin in your favor, like if you're going in 55, 56% of the time as opposed to 50-50, that's where you get the goals. That's where you get the goals in the close games. And 
Um, I thought it was a really good example last night of how over the course of an 82 game season being two or 3% better on faceoffs or whatever may not feel like a lot, but when you look at the narrative of a season, when you look at how things play out and how things build without being that two to 3% better on faceoffs last night, you don't get the point in Vegas. You, you lose in regulation to Vegas and all of a sudden it becomes a little bit more of a oh, man. We're not there. We're same old, same old from last season. Like the stars right now are coming out of Vegas. Basically. All right. We played our game. We did it. We did. We, we did well in this tough situation and we lost the shootout at the end and that's it. There's no negative feelings. And a lot of that goes back to being better on faceoffs. I hope this all made sense, Gavin, and I will take it back to you to get me on track again. <laughs> no, it did. It, no, it did. I love those deep dives. That's why we're doing a podcast, the Sean Shapiro Deep Dives, um, because I, I, I agree. I, I think face-offs matter. I think it's all about puck possession and, uh, uh, you know, especially in your defensive zone. They're massive. I mean, that five-on-three last night, you know, having Fox out there drawing some, you know, face-offs and uh, that first one, he pulled it back uh, up against the boards. I thought that was impressive. Uh, Aaron Thacker at Thackman05. I know it's early, but when do you think we will start seeing the scoring this team has talked about? Also, when we when will we see a regulation win? Well, I mean, I think we'll <laughs> we might see it against Anaheim. We might see it against Philadelphia. <laughs> but it's only it's only it's only two games. As far as the scoring, I mean, I don't think that's a a, a problem right now. I mean, I think you faced uh, two teams that are pretty defensive-minded. Let's see what happens against Anaheim. Uh, if John Gibson plays, um, he can steal games at times, and he can be really, really good. We've talked about that on this podcast. He's on a not-good team, but he is a good goalie. Um, but at the same time, Sean, I, I, I don't have a problem. I wouldn't be surprised if they threw up four or five against Anaheim. Based, You know, I mean, those Anaheim games, you know, with, with their offensive you know, players that they have, sometimes those games out there get wide open. Well, it's, let's like, let's, uh, I'm going to get, I, I was just kind of crapping on analytics, not crapping on it, but I was kind of going at analytics a little bit before about how sometimes I think the face-offs get, uh, get beaten up a little bit too much, but let's, go into the numbers on something real quick here. So you've got using a metric that I actually think is a pretty good reflection, how you play Hockey's too random for um, hockey's too random to completely use it as a end all be all. It's why baseball is a easier to break down sport analytically than, than hockey in general, but through two games and I'm using my numbers from natural stat trick here. And so uh, for a quick note for everyone here, um, expected goals for, if you, you may see that stat, and I think it's actually a pretty good stat that shows how teams play. It's basically a measure of shot location, um, shot location and quality of, uh, and, and based off goal 10, and, and, and shot location and quality and getting to the right areas. That's really what it's based on. Um the Stars in that opening night against the Blues, where they won in the shootout, at even strength, they had 2.64 expected goals for, um, and 2.20, 2.02 expected against. Last night against Vegas, the Stars had 
2.23 expected goals for and 1.57 goals expected goals against. Dallas outplayed Vegas last night. Like when it came down to that even strength. Now Vegas had some Vegas got them on the on, on special teams a little bit there, but at even strength, Dallas was the better team. They created more chances. Um I've got they had 12 they had by looking the 12 high danger chances for only let up six. Like this is the offense is to me, it's not a question of where is the offense. It's a question of finishing. Mm-hmm. I know that was a really long winded way of saying kind of give it a little bit. The shooting percentage is going to even out and it may even out in a big way. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if play continues when you, when you go see a bad, when they play a bad team, two bad teams this week, there could be a lot going the other way. So, yeah. And once again, what I mentioned at the top of this podcast is that I liked how they were getting in tight and they weren't just shooting from the corners yeah. and settling uh, for that easier shot. They put some pressure on Hill. Uh, they got in front of him, um, you know, and that's how S- Smith got that first goal, cleaning up off a rebound uh, when there was a, you know, kind of a hectic uh, few players in front of the net. So uh, I-, I like that they're doing that. And I think that will also increase their scoring chances. Uh, Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom had a couple of follow-ups. Uh, when I was talking about Niels Lundqvist, he said he's definitely improved, but his smaller stature is still an issue when going up against bigger players in the league. Notice the Blues game. He was uh, able to put a body on somebody, but when the big boys actually wanted to move Nils, they had no problem throwing him. I mean, that's going to happen with a lot of players. Um, but I-, I will say that this offseason training that he went through, he does seem stronger, confident. I, I-, I just absolutely love that the stars put no hesitation in the fact, and Jim Nill was even saying this last year, that Nils Lundqvist is going to be a big part of our team. And, I mean, we've seen it over the years with Brendan Dillons and Julius Honkas, and it's tough to keep coming on and off. And it, that's, a, that's a tough role, and you're also afraid to make a mistake. And what I'm seeing from Nils Lundqvist is, He's not afraid at this point. He's, in fact, the opposite. He's very confident. I wouldn't be surprised in the next few games if we don't see him on a uh, uh, get a power play goal because, you know, he, he was in that shooting lane last night, and I was ready for that puck to go to him. They tried to get to him. I mean, here's the other thing, too, about Nils. Here's the other thing Nils Lund, about Nils Lundqvist. He's, I think, going into this season, he is now... He, I think he's like listed at six one one ninety. Um, I don't really believe he's actually six one. I think he's actually like he's been he's been listed at five eleven in the past. So I, I don't think he's actually six foot one. Um, and like Miro Heiskanen is listed at six two one ninety seven. I don't think Miro is six foot two, but <laughs> Miro Miro is un Miro is undoubtedly. This is actually funny. We're going on a segue here right now. Joel Hanley is listed at five eleven. Joel Hanley is not 5'11". Joel Hanley and I have spoken to each other face-to-face, nose-to-nose. I am not 5'11". Joel Hanley is not 5'11". Um, everyone in the NHL seemed to get taller this summer. Um, uh, actually, Victor Hedman is now listed at 6'7". He had always been 6'6", but for some reason, he's now 6'7". So everyone in the NHL just grew an inch this summer. I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but my point was, on Nils Lundqvist, uh, I think people focus on his size because he's arguably under six feet tall. 
no matter what the game sheet may say. And he, but he has a pretty well built frame and strength on his frame for his size. Like, yeah, 190. So I think people look at his height and get a little bit more worried about that. Um, when I think there is, he, he has got a strong frame. He's a stronger player this year. Um, I feel really good about it. Yeah, Yanni Hockenpah's listed at six seven now too. Okay, Gavin, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so what are they? So when when Liam Bixel comes up, he's going to be seven <laughs> two. Yanni Hockenpah's listed at six seven now. Mason Marchman is listed at six five now. No like, way. Yeah, no, Mason Marchman is not six foot five. <laughs> There's that. If I do the uh, hey, do what you have to do, right? Yeah, this is because uh, we all know that the opposing team is going through the programs. Yeah, <laughs> Leon Bixel is listed at six six right now. Now I imagine when he gets called up, they'll add an extra inch to his height. <laughs> of course, <laughs> this is this is hilarious to me looking at this because hey. like everyone seems to have gotten taller. Um, you everyone. know what, Sean? <laughs> Technically, I'm five nine, but on the dating apps, I'm five ten. There you go. <laughs> It translates oh into God. real life too, my man. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Uh, at Spaniel Green asks, seem like zone exits needed a solid cleanup still. I'm still liking the improvements made by Nils and Harley. Both seem to play well. Trying to figure out if there was something Miro could have done or the team in general on that second goal deflection. Uh, you had mentioned that you would have liked to seen Lindell get uh, further out to kind of. Uh, on the first goal. On the first goal. First the goal, second sorry. goal was yeah. the second He's, he's talking about the second goal. That was Miro was in front of the net on that one. And that's one where it's kind of, um, it's a quick bang, bang play there. But uh, it's one of those where all things being like perfect when you could stop time and move guys around, you would have liked to see uh, Miro front, uh, kind of front and get to Carlson a little bit more. Yeah. But it's also a, it's a bang, bang play too. So yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I also wanted to add, you know, because we are obviously impressed here in Dallas and we talk about, you know, Miro Heishkinen with national attention and this guy does get some national attention, but I got to tell you, I'm so impressed with Shea Theodore. I mean, yeah. he's just a quality defenseman and he just loves getting in on the rush. So I, you know, I was impressed with his play last night as well. So, I mean, there were a lot well, of good players also, on the ice. Yeah, and there's something to be said too about a defenseman shooting second for your, for your team in the shootout. Yes. There's something to be said about that. Yes. So. Which leads to Daniel Griffith uh, at DTG tax. Should Miro be one of the first three shooters in the shootout? That's what he asks. And I would say, I like the three shooters that we had last night. Um, I, yeah. I, you got to go with Robertson. Duchesne's money you know, in, in the shootout and a lot of experience um, doing it. And then Rupe Hintz. I like the three that uh, that they threw out there last night. I actually was surprised Hintz went because, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, I, one of the things that um, the, it's basically happened since, Pete DeBoer took over. Um, but like Tyler Sagan has been um and, and maybe it's because he's Tyler Sagan hasn't gotten the opportunity to be that ace in the hole in shootouts like he was before the injury. Um 
over the last two years, like I know he he took one and missed one on opening night. So maybe that was maybe maybe that was the last straw, and that's why he didn't take one the other there. But like from between uh I don't know the like between for there's a ten year stretch for Tyler Sagan where for his career he went shot sixty percent, thirty-three percent, to six fifty-seven percent, sixty percent. 50%, 75%, 45%, 50% on shootouts. And I, with him and Matt Duchesne, I just, I feel like that's a weapon they still provide in the shootout where you should still be using that. Um, I don't mind Rubey Hintz shooting, obviously. I think it's, but it, it, it is, it is something with, I look at one of Sagan's strengths that he still has is on the shootout and the way he, is not completely predictable on it, and so yeah, no. But I, to, but to, but to I agree. Point, Sagan, Sagan would be where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's not a question of whether Miro should be in the first three shooters. I'm not even getting to Miro. I'm talking about I'm I'm, I'm talking about other guys before Miro Hishkin. I don't think um because shootouts aren't breakaways. That's the other thing. Like you have to people have to um as as you, as we've seen in Washington with the with the Kuznetsov complete slowdown. That is, that's not a hockey play. Yeah. The shootout's not, the shootout's not a hockey play. And while I don't mind a mirror on a breakaway, I'm not really, I don't really need his, his skill set isn't the one that translates to, um, to a shootout. Like, I'm, I'm going to double check myself on this right here because it's, um, I'd like to do that on this show and prove myself wrong as opposed to having you, the listener in the car, yell at me about my, uh, but like Miro Heiskanen is one for one for five in his career on shootouts scored once during the 21, 22 season. And that's it. Like I don't really, and he's also. So anywho. Yeah. Uh, K twiz. I love the Stars' aggression tonight. Do you think Dallas can keep up the physicality this season and add it to their game? That's my Spits and Suds question. Uh, K Twiz, you're a great tweeter during Stars games. Appreciate you being a turn it on, leave it on listener as well. Um, I don't know if it'll keep it up, but uh, I am. I I think both of us will always check the box that says physicality can certainly uh, because what it does is it creates opportunities as long as you do it smartly. You know, if you work in the corners and you're physical, you know, you can create some turnovers. If you press their D men, you're going to create some turnovers. And, you know, likewise in, in, in your defensive end, you know, you can tie up your man. So sure. I think physicality is a great part of the game. And uh, you know, I think they're better when they're physical. I think uh, uh, Sevy pointed it out um, last night on the TV broadcast that, um, he likes them when they're more physical. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think they will be a more physical team in general this year. Um, as much as it's also, I'm interested to see their physicality in the game when they haven't had five days to ramp up. That's that's when physicality really gets tested. It's not. It's when the schedule's not easy. That. Uh, that's that's when that's when life gets tested. So, yeah, absolutely. And then the final tweet uh, at Sport McGee one. So I had tweeted out after the game, Sean. I said that was fun. Appreciate all all of your interactions. Team looked good. 
Fresh Spits and Suds Vegas recap will drop tomorrow if you have any follow-up questions. And he said, disagree that the team looks good. They've had decent 10-minute spurts, but that Vegas team is missing three of their top six defensemen, and that was pretty evenly matched, pretty disappointing effort, honestly. And Greg, I hope you're listening now, and hopefully you support Spits and Suds. Um, And all I can say is we just watched two different games. And I I know Vegas was down, but I mean, I still think if you, first of all, going in, maybe against Anaheim, you could say a disappointing point. But points on the road are still precious commodities. And I think that's sometimes forgotten. And going into the defending Stanley Cup, which champions, which by the way, were undefeated and had a lot of momentum and are one of the Stanley Cup favorites to go in there. I thought they matched up with them pretty well and they lost in a skills competition at the end. But, you know, I, I thought it was a good game overall. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you, Gavin. I don't like, I, I, I have a hard time finding fault in, in that game. And every fault immediately ties into there were times it looked like a team playing its first game in five days in the second game of the season. And I think that's fair that that happens. That's okay. You had two, unlike the St. Louis game where it was a bit sloppy with two teams playing their first game. You had one team playing its first game, second game of the season, another team that's been in a rhythm. The other thing that I think will be interesting to watch. And as far as the stars building in general, and this is just kind of my own takeaway and view on things is, um, I don't think you got the best version of Rope Hints last night, but I also don't put that on. But I expect, but you got the version of Rope Hints I expected last night. Rope Hints has a tendency, just as a player, he has a tendency when he comes back from injury to kind of go all hero ball, where he tries to basically be the guy and acts by himself a little bit. And then it takes about three to four or five periods, maybe, to get back into a rhythm with his line. Well, because of how he was knocked up during the se- during the preseason, didn't play an opening night, that Pavelski, Robertson, Hintz line didn't play together at all preseason. So this is really kind of the first time they played together all yep. season. So I don't really, that's what I expected. So um, I have no concern, like nothing gets solved one way or the other in game two of the season, but I don't have any new concerns or anything like that. Um, I may if Vesselindell's current state of affairs continues to play that way. But other than that, like, I don't really, I don't look at this game and be like, oh, I got to get worried about this. No, I look at that and like, no, I, I still feel good about predicting a Dallas Vegas Western Conference final again. Yeah. Now, Jordan Harper did ask about number five. And Jordan, I just wanted to give you a shout out. You're a loyal Spits and Suds guy. But as you've listened, you could tell that we've talked a lot about Nils Lundquist and uh, we're both very happy. So, Sean, two two games ahead against two opponents that are kind of in the rebuilding stage, so hopefully we can collect some uh, points. I did want to ask you, it's never too early, folks, with the holiday coming to support Sean <laughs> and his family. So, um, by the book, We Win Here, which is a collection of stories from the Texas Stars franchise and the Dallas Stars. And by the way, it's so great how many people are retweeting every Logan Stankoven goal. Every every time he does something in Texas, people are uh, people are going crazy. Time will yeah. come. Time will come. But you know those kinds of stories, as far as you know, Texas story and the history of Texas and some of the players that are currently with the Stars or have played with the Stars and played with the Texas. 
Uh, it's just a it's just a cool book. And uh, how I wanted to ask you, how did you come up with the concept of you and your partner writing this book? Because it is unique. Because a lot of people just focus on you know one club, and that would be the Dallas Stars. And you've done that in a previous book, talking about the Dallas Stars history and everything you should know. And that's a great book as well. But I, I definitely found what was interesting in this book is the relationship between Dallas and Texas and the various stories in between. Yeah, I mean, so it's the book itself, and I appreciate the chance to plug it as always. Um, but the book itself was kind of one of those things that started with Stephen Meserve and I have always had these conversations about, about stars and Texas and um, Stephen, who runs hundred degree hockey is uh still to this day um texas actually right now it's funny as we're recording this texas is playing a school day game against the chicago wolves right now and text and steven and i have been te- and steven's been texting me about the about that game so he and i always are going back and forth and and talking about the star about, about the texas stars and how it applies to things and so we just kind of took conversations over beers conversations in general and just like hey let's let's sit down and write something that's kind of how it all came together and um, I'm a big believer in, I'm personally a big believer that the AHL often gets kind of forgotten in media coverage. And this is not to, this is not to single out anyone else's media coverage or anyone, but I just, I felt like my coverage of the sport and my coverage of the league are better when I understand the entire dichotomy the entire landscape and that's vital to understand the ahl um, i'm actually going to go this this weekend like here's a perfect example gavin of how my my silly brain works um um for ep ringside i'm going on saturday i'm going to chicago on saturday for the the blackhawks home opener to kind of witness the connor bedard circus in person right uh, but on sunday another circus um and the Texas Stars are part of it. The uh, Chicago Wolves are an AHL team this year without an NHL affiliate playing in Chicago. It was two o'clock game on Sunday. And um, I basically have decided I'm going to that game as well because nice. to order to underst- better understand this professional hockey world, we have to understand all of it and not just when guys show up from the call up or whatever. And I think that's a, yep. a key thing to better covering this sport, better understanding where guys come from. Um, and we, we should at some, I, I want to give him time, Gavin, like I know people keep retweeting the Logan Stankov and goals, but I want to give him some time before at some point we should do a complete profile on Logan Stankoven's AHL game right now. There hasn't been enough. The goals pop and they're fun and they're easy to, to celebrate, but I'd also like to be able to go through and maybe after a month in the AHL, Give an idea of the entire picture of what like Logan Stakeholm is doing or isn't doing, um, and not just the uh, not just the goals because there is so much more to the development process than putting the puck in the net. Obviously, yeah. that will take him very far. Yep, but there's other things as well. Yep, so absolutely. And on that note, because we are kind of an all-encompassing uh, hockey show, um, I will. I've been invited, and uh, 
gladly will do it. Uh, the Allen Americans open their season this weekend at Idaho, but I'll be going to a game and talking to some of their players and kind of giving you my thoughts on, you know, players from an ECHL perspective, um, which would be considered, I guess, double A, and most of your high prospects are now going to AHL. So I wanted to talk to the players about the fight from the ECHL, um, you know, as far as the perspective, uh, because a lot of guys are trying to hang on or they're trying to take that next step. So it's kind of fascinating, and uh, salute to the Allen Americans uh, as they start their season uh, this Friday. Uh, in new new owner, new owner there too, uh, Miles Jack. For those uh, football fans, the former, uh, where did he play? The former, the former linebacker actually owns the Allen Americans now. Didn't he? He just bought that team. That came, that was announced like a week ago or something. Yeah, like Miles Jack uh, Jacksonville, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, it, absolutely. In fact, the Americans uh, signed. Uh, let's see, uh, if I'm pronouncing this wrong, I probably, Matt Marcino. Not sure on the. I can't correct you or played for Belleville Senators. Yeah, 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 of the AHL. So it's it's just kind of you know it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, we want to support local hockey, and I always try to plug uh, Craig's team as it's amazing. He has like four or five games in Anaheim this weekend, so we're going to be catching him early in the morning on Friday um, as uh, his team is uh, in a tournament this weekend. And Craig does a great job coaching and. Uh, you know, I love getting his perspective as far as his team and getting them ready to hopefully be drafted or play in the NAHL or, you know, get drafted into uh, juniors up in Canada or the USHL. So, it you know, it's it's kind of fascinating. I mean, we do focus on the stars, but I can't wait to hear your Chicago story and, and you know, the kind of in-depth what you can bring. Because that is fascinating. A team without an affiliate, how A, they can survive – and, you know, B, what kind of free agents have they had to brought in? Financially, where does that put them in? You know, it's just, it's really interesting that basically they're kind of an independent squad, right? Yeah, it's definitely one of the more interesting stories in the hockey world right now that's not no one is talking about, but it's one of those where it's not in the day-to-day um, conversations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd also ask you guys, the listeners of Spits and Suds, you know, keep coming with the questions. They're awesome. But if you'd like to hear us talk about some things, just reach out to me. I'm at GJ Spittle. He's at Sean Shapiro on Twitter. And you can also email me, Gavin.Spittle at Odyssey.com. And uh, I have nothing to plug, but if you see me at the dog park with my dog, just say hi. How's that? that I guess I could good. say I, I guess I could say, Sean, <laughs> listen to the radio station 1053 the fan, as we are in Rangers Madness right now. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Go Rangers! This is uh, really really cool. The town's kind of uh, a buzz right now. So super super excited about the uh, Rangers and excited about the Stars start. So that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Sean Shapiro. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We'll be back soon with another episode of Spits and Suds.